0: I love the Christmas story. I, I, I love all the versions. Um, in fact, when I was called to ministry, it was in a... God, he was such an odd bird. He um, was probably about my height. He was at this big conference. Everybody else was all slick, you know, and fancy, had their hair done, you know, pastor-like, had the right shoes. This guy got up in like a nylon uh, leisure suit, if anybody remembers what those are, and, I mean, it was not in leisure time. Like, he was, all right, now they're coming back. But he was, he was way out of cycle. And it was, like, that pale green with the stripes. And he stood up, and he was a little guy. And he stood up on the stage, and there was, like, 600 men. It was all men. And they would and just quiet. And he just sat there, until so it just got quiet. You could hear a pin drop. And he said this, For unto you, and just like this, a child is born, unto you a son is given. And then he just went, Pow! and you forgot his seersucker suit. It was like an angel of the Lord was standing on the stage. It made such an impression on me. At that point, I was already sold out. I was in business. I was doing business right. I was living right and everything, but it just honed me. It drilled me to the th- fact that for unto Doug, a child was born. Unto Doug, a savior was given. And I mean, there it, that meeting went about four hours. Like, he, he was done teaching in probably 30 minutes. Nobody left. It was prayer and spontaneous worship. And I was just like, I got to do this the rest of my life. Like, I'm fine, I'll work. But I, on the weekends, I'm doing this. And it was just so clear for me. And I just love, like, I just love Christmas. I, I think family's cool, like, right? I mean, it's cool to be with family and, and everything else. We have all kinds of cool stuff. You should pick some of these up on your way out, right? Because these are invitation ticket things that you can give to friends and stuff. Um, we've gotten really good at discipleship, but along the way, we realized sometimes, like some of us, like me, I don't know how to connect, right? So Amber and I threw a party for our neighborhood at our house. Uh, gosh, I'm just such an odd bird at parties. I got to get better at this. But here's, here's one really awesome thing for us that we get to do, which is... Um, to just invite people on Christmas Eve at four to come for cocoa cookies and carols. And we're going to tell, we're going to read, you know, the night before Christmas, and then we're going to read the whole Jesus stuff. And we're going to have a really great time. And so you guys are, of course, you know, you're invited. And if you didn't, you're invited. But you can pick these up and you can invite some other folks, right? I love Christmas too, because for the first Christmas ever, today after church, I'm going to change these clothes into my flag football clothes. And it's going to be adults versus youth, the replay. One defeat for them was not enough. They need to be defeated again, apparently. So they've asked for a replay. So, But but before we do that, I just want all of you to know you're invited to stay. Uh, they, the crew is in there. Jamie made her biscuits, Jamie and Jen. And if you've never had these things, her biscuits and gravy are crazy. And eggs, everybody can stay, even if you're not going to the game. But we're just going to eat. We're going to have brunch. And then we're going to go. And see, Christmas goes on. Who's had like 12 parties so far that you had to go to? Nobody? Yeah, I'm exhausted. I just feel like it's party, party, party. And so after the football game, I got to come to a youth Christmas party. I get to come to a youth Christmas party. And we're going to hang out in the youth room. So it's just a busy, busy time of year, but I love it. And then the funniest thing happens is that I forget it. You know, after I get done paying off the bills and that pain goes away, all of a sudden, it's like Christmas begins to fade. And maybe you're like me. Somewhere around June, I go, six months, we're going to be back at Christmas already. There's a weird internal clock thing with us. We don't need to fight it. It's just the way it is. I think in every culture, even if they don't celebrate Christmas, there's this thing about the end of this calendar year, right? And it's like about mid-year, you're kind of like, oh. And so I hear all these people doing Christmas in June, Christmas in July. I don't know what that's all about, but I guess Whatever. You know, so maybe we'll remember about June, and then in October, we'll be like, ah! You know, if you're little, and if you're, you're you know, three, four, or five, maybe eight, right, that a year is like an eighth of your life. It seems like Christmas will never come. I just want to give you a hint that when the years get up, it becomes a smaller fraction. It starts feeling like, what? It's here again. And so around October, we'll be like, oh, it's here already. And then we'll start getting jazzed around Thanksgiving, and then people are like, you know, why do you, how do you do Christmas messages and this? And I'm like, how can you not? How can I just spend a couple weeks just talking about how incredible this moment was, right? It's just that it's like people have birthday weeks. I have a bunch of friends that have birthday weeks. So we're going to give Jesus like a birthday month, right? And so last, the Psalm 98 just really caught me as this, this like Psalm. And last week we talked about it. it was like the, everybody stopped. It just stopped. The Psalmist was just like stop. And sing praises to God. Stop, rock, sing praises to God. He's so awesome. He's so powerful, right? So there's this whole theme in there, and we talked about it, right? When we need to embrace the moment was the idea. Like when we see God working, with our kids and our neighbors and, and the people around us, that there's just a time to stop and to embrace that moment. When you're reading a scripture and it pops off the page, there's a time to stop And just sit in that moment. In fact, most of the Eastern religions really get this. Well, you know, they call it meditation and all. And the idea is to sit in the moment, in the now. But we even have something cooler because with the Holy Spirit, we have God's word. But when we see him working, it's just time to embrace it. And Christmas is a great time to do that, right? Um, We know this is so funny at our Christmas party here at church. This trivia game from Hades. I could not get any answers right. I've never been, I mean, really, ever since the time we did flag trivia, I've never seen anything so hard. But apparently, you know, Christmas is like a March or January. Okay, whatever. The point is, this is the time of year we celebrate when he's born, right? And maybe there's a time in this whole season to just take a breath and stop and just embrace that moment. I have a manger scene. It's a little fold-out cardboard thing that I used to set up with my mom and dad and we set it up. I didn't set it up this year because I was out of town. Amber set it up but I was looking at it the other day. It's in, it's in our open pantry like where my bread maker is and I was like, dude, you know, for unto us a child is born. But there's something else that happened when I was reading Psalm 98. It's like God, he bumped me again. He didn't bump me about when it's time to maybe embrace the moment but he bumped me with this idea of there's a time to just maybe give a gift, okay? I just like to just stop and pay tribute to the king. And uh, I don't know. I, let me just uh, get going here and, and just tell you what I saw in the psalm. Because what I don't want to do is I don't want to forget him this year. It's like, I know none of us are bad, right? I'm going to pray all year. I do. And I'm going to read my Bible all year. But, but it said, what I don't want to forget is maybe that, if you'll let me use the word, I don't know the word magic of Christmas, that, that, that embracing the moment of Christmas, that, that idea of we see the manger, we, we get he's the king, that we might even kneel before him. Like, that's what I don't want to miss. And that's where God kind of just bumped me. And, and it came this way. When you're reading the whole Psalm 98, you see these, this, these things that are so incredibly does. Here, here's one. He's done marvelous things. Okay, so I just, just want you to think real quick. You can raise your hand, you can nod, whatever. But I just want you to think back over the last 12 months, has God done anything marvelous for you? Amen. So he has. Amen. Anybody else? Yeah? God said some really cool stuff for me this year. At the end of, at the, end of the service, because like, we're going to stop for a minute and talk about some of those things that are happening here. But, but I'm just saying personally, he said some super cool stuff for me. But but he saved me. Like, and I have tons of new friends. I, I could just go down the list of things. But I've seen him heal people this year. I've seen I've just seen him do all kinds of stuff. But but do you get it? How about this in Psalm ninety eight? The incredible stuff he does. He remembered his love for us. Like here's God in heaven. We're just being rebellious, as humans. He remembers his love for us, and. He causes the Holy Spirit to overshadow Mary. She becomes pregnant, and this perfect little child is born. A Savior comes to us in the form of flesh, because God hasn't forgotten us. Like, that's cool. How about in Psalm 98, when it says, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God you may feel like me, like, you know, I, this, this is our year, right? We've talked about this. Like, we're trying to learn how to get out in that community, and, and we're trying to get some people who are genius at that to join us and, and to just reach more people for Christ. It's not about the size of, of a church. It's not about the size of what happens in our homes. It's just like Mrs. Porter stopped, and it was actually at Christmas. And I'd been in the hospital for about nine weeks, and I had nowhere to go because my family didn't live here. And Mrs. Porter, who was like this ancient Sunday school teacher, and her husband, Val Porter, who was this raucous truck driver, who fell asleep in the bathtub with the door open every night (laughs) and snored right outside my bedroom door. The reason I was living there is I couldn't take care of myself. These people hired a nurse to change IVs and bandages because I couldn't afford to stay in a hospital anymore. And they took me into their house and I was lost. I was a mess. I wasn't church family. I wasn't anything. They just heard about me. They cared for me for months. And they showed me for unto Doug, a child was born. Unto Doug, the son was given. They, through them and through what he did and the love they had, showed this part of the world, Doug, the salvation of our God. To me, that's just like incredible. When I read that psalm and I just keep thinking, Jesus, all these incredible things are done. But I noticed two other things when I was reading it. And he's kept. this is where God bumped me. He was just like, boom, boom. I noticed two, a word, And then a line. So there's there's a word that occurs throughout this whole psalm that just started echoing in my mind. And the word is Lord. It's all over the place in there. Like this, uh, Psalm 98, sing to the Lord a new song. The Lord has made his salvation known. Shout with joy to the Lord. And just all throughout the psalm, it's just Lord, 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 Lord. And then there's this line at the end. In 98.9, it says this, let them sing before the Lord, For he comes to judge the earth, he will judge the world in righteousness and the people with equity. And I'm like, well, that's not a Christmas message. Welcome unto us, a child is born, he's going to judge us. (laughs) Like, you know, who wants to be judged, but he doesn't have that flavor. What he means is that he's going to judge right and wrong in the world based on his righteousness. But what caught me in all this is this. We've gotten so used to the Lord Jesus, or calling him Lord, and Lord, help me, and Lord, this and that, that it's become a name to us. You know, like, what does the name Doug mean? Does anybody know? The name Doug means he who dwells in murky water. It's it's Gaelic. It's, It's Gaelic. It means he who dwells in murky water. When you go to the Christian bookstore and you get the little thing, the meaning of Doug, it says seeker of light. And in small print it says, actually means he who dwells in... Murky water, but that person would certainly seek light. So they're, they're trying to spin it. My last name, Bouillet, which is really how you say it, means he who farms the muddy field. So I am the guy dwelling in the murky water who comes out to farm the muddy field. Nobody thinks that. They just say, hey, Doug. And I think a lot of times what's happened in our world today, I know for me, is we just say the Lord Jesus, or the Lord, or Lord help me. But we're not really thinking about what that term actually means. So what that term means, like it has it, when you say you're my Lord, you're saying, this is what the word means, you are the ruler of my domain. If I own any part of this domain, it is because you allow me to lease it from you because it will never be my domain, because you are the lord of the manor. It also means this. When I say, oh lord, my lord, I'm appealing to the owner of the domain to be the one who provides for me, who protects me, and who gives me a plan. See, we don't live in that land in which this was written, where there were kings and lords and serfs and all this stuff. But they did. They did. And to say, you are the Lord, meant something. It wasn't just a name. It was a fact, a definition, a statement about it. And so I just wonder sometimes, like, do we really think he owns that chair? He owns this sweater, which according to the Bible, I have to give away today. Because the Bible says, if a man asks for your shirt, what? Give him your shirt and also your jacket, right? I think that's right. Am I close to that? Yeah. And so Dwayne today says, I want that sweater. Now, I don't know how this sweater is going to fit on that man. But apparently I have to give him this sweater, which is okay because it's God's sweater. So you've invoked the word of God. So I'm going to give you the sweater, right? But do you get it? Like the chairs aren't ours. The carpet's not ours. Bear with me. The kids aren't ours. just kind of good when they're bad your kids being bad God but we're the caretakers right and so but we but I, I just wonder do we get this Dave Myers wrote this incredible blurb in a blog let me just read it to you his words are better and need to be attributed because of 2,000 years of the Christian experience that's where we're at most everyone today thinks of Jesus only in the context of the what the one who takes away the sins of the world And he did that, of course, right? Praise God. Christ's role as Savior of mankind is made clear in the New Testament. However, there's another often overlooked role Christ will fulfill, one that is repeatedly emphasized in the Gospels, that of Christ being a ruling King, the Lord. Notice the statement to Mary when she was told she she would conceive a child. He, the child, will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the what? Throne of his father, David. When we think of Jesus, I'm good. Let's think of him as our pal and our friend and our savior, the one who loves us and calls us brother. But do we think of him as Lord? I just wonder if sometimes I've forgotten that he owns all of the lands. He's provided all of the things. He is the one who is in charge and he is the king. And in such a loving way, he knows what's best for me. And so we're back to that line that caught my attention. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to what? Judge the earth. To show what's right and wrong. And he does that what? He will judge the world in righteousness and the people with equity. There's two things going on there. He's going to judge the world in righteousness, and he's going to judge the people, that's us, with equity. Those are two different things that are going on. Jesus is the Lord. He's the one who brings salvation. He's the king. He's the judge. And he's righteous. What what it means when it says he's going to judge the world in righteousness means he is righteous. So he has the right to judge. He has the right to provide. He has the right to deny. He has the right. So we think of judge in this case like good, bad, right, wrong. No. He has the right to rule. He has the sovereign, God-given, sole right to be the one who guides and directs the land and all the people in it. But I love this line. For those of you who feel like God's mean, listen. It says, he will what? Judge the people with what? Equity. I just love that. So he's not going to look at like Nick and I or Jamie and I, and there's going to be a different standard. The standard is going to be what? His rightness, his righteousness. His righteousness. What he deems, because he's the Lord, is right, is right. This is so cool for me, because what this does is this strips away this uh, kind of situational ethics. You know, you go, hey, Bob, is that right or wrong? And you're like, well, but he did. No, that's all situational ethics. I believe, just based on the Bible, in a simple world of right and wrong, black and white, it's easy. In every situation, there is a right decision, and there's a wrong decision, and, and the way I know that is because there's a righteous Lord who directs my path. I got a whole book, what, about 1,800 pages, talking to me about how to walk with God and live a great life. So anything in there that's right or wrong, I already got that. But even in those squishy situations, I can go to the what the judge, the one who's righteous, that little baby born, the Lord, the King, and I can get a determination about whether this is right or this is Wrong, whether this is good for me or bad for me, best for me. Is it going to move me forward? Is it going to move me backwards? Because He is the standard of right. I think God does something really cool for me. I'm having this He's the Lord moment, right? He's the Lord. And I mean, I'm really getting it. Because to me, actually, I remember before I was saved, stuff like that sounded so oppressing like, He's the Lord. You lose yourself and then you find yourself and you deny yourself and you give up everything to gain everything. And all that as a lost person was kind of like, eh. to me now that I've lived this for just a while, that is the most freeing thing in the world. Like I don't have to be in management. Like, somebody else can make the decision. Somebody else can be in charge. Somebody else can be responsible. And by the way, he has about 6,000 years of perfect records. Everybody who applies those truths, who lives with him, Wins. They rock. The world's great. So I get not only a God with a proven track record, but a God who is now my Lord. I can trust Him to protect me. I can trust Him to protect me. You know, we're really moving forward, right? The whole discipleship thing and downstairs with the special needs stuff, right? And, and with the daycare and all the stuff God's doing in our world. And, and now we've started praying, right? 20-something days of prayer about trying to figure out how to reach the 80% of the people who are numb to God in our community, and I know he's going to do it. But has anybody noticed that it's like a target got put on our back? Like we haven't had drama around here for years. Now all of a sudden we have drama. Anybody notice that a little bit? So we have a no drama promise. So We'll fix it. We're all going to fix it. But you get it? Like there's challenges. It's almost like there's warfare going on. But the cool thing in the middle of that, as I echoed to a friend this morning, this church is God's church. He owns the place. He's the ruler of the people. He owns the chairs and the carpet squares. He's fully aware, and his desire is that he'll be glorified. All I have to do is line up with that. To me, that is just so freeing to say, you're my king. You're my king. Now, I have some friends in the more Pentecostal, charismatic thing. They'll tell you all day long. I'll tell you about King Jesus, right, And, and get excited and stuff. But even some of them, when I really start pushing them on how they're living, do you really see him as king? Not just in the celebration or worship. Do you see him as king when you get out of bed? Do you see him? Like that phrase, King Jesus, is a powerful, powerful phrase. So powerful that Daniel prophesied about it. Daniel was an Old Testament prophet, you know, long before Jesus ever came. Daniel was in Babylon in captivity, and God just blessed him, and he rose in the ranks. He became the head of this group of people called the Magi. They were like the spiritual people, the leaders. And he had such influence on them, and he told them so many prophecies that long after Daniel was dead, when Jesus was born, the Magi, who were still in Persia, in the Babylon area, they heard, and they saw the prophecy fulfilled. You guys know the story, right? When we talk about three kings from Orient, it wasn't the Orient, and they weren't kings. They were Magi. They traveled all the way to Jerusalem, the place where Daniel had been from, the guy who had left them all these prophecies. And they came all that way, but why? This is the way it reads in Matthew 2, two. They said, when they arrived, where's the one who has been born the king of the Jews? Now, they thought it was going to be a physical king, right? So they're looking for him. Where's the one who's born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? What a powerful statement. So when the wise men, when the magi, traveled all that way to see the fulfillment of the prophecy, they came to see the what? The king. They identified this concept that the new king, God's new king, had arrived for God's people. They traveled all that way, and you guys know what happened. When they got there, when they saw him, they knelt down and they worshiped him. And we think of that like a big spiritual act, but stop for a minute. They worshiped him as king. This is what you do. If you really understand kings, And you, know, you don't just go in before the king, you're invited before the king. And when you get before the king, you what? You bow before the king. It's a sign of respect and honor. And it's just what you do. And then they opened, I love the scripture reads, they opened up their treasure boxes and took out the best of their treasures and gave gifts to the king. That's called paying homage or tribute, just so you know. This is a long, we don't do this anymore. We don't have kings. When you go to greet and meet the new king, when the new king is installed, when the new king is there, everybody comes and you're you're seeking favor you're displaying honor. You're showing respect for. And, you, and that's why they gave these gifts. And it's such a cultural thing for us. Like, I just, it's Christmas, right? Let me just ask you, honestly, why do you give gifts? Is it because it's expected? Have you ever tried that? This is what you should do, man, this year. On Christmas morning, you should make sure your wife doesn't have a gift. And when she says you love me, go, see, you expected something from me, and you were wrong, that's what you should say to her, it'll go great, okay, or better yet, women do that to men, because they'll cry, don't pout, okay, it's like, but I don't want, I don't want to ruin the holiday, but sometimes, like, people play this equitable thing, right, everybody has to get, I, just by the way, if I ever give you a gift, know this, I picked that gift out for you, and it's not going to be equitable, in fact, 99 other people may not get a gift. I, buy, I, I long ago just decided when I see something that is for somebody, I'm going to buy it, I'm going to put it away because that's the gift for them. But a lot of us, don't we? have to go, okay, so he get the stocking. It's got to be like $10 each, right? Why do you give gifts? Is it because you love them? I love you so much. I'm going to give you a gift. I think that's true. We do that, right? Um, how about this? Do you, does anybody give gifts just for fun? Like, Isn't it fun to watch people open a gift? I mean, most people, not cranky, crabby, unhappy people, but real nice people. They get all excited and open a gift, or like they're one of those people who are like all engineering types, and they're like, and they open it all nice and neat. Not me. (coughs) That's not why the Magi gave gifts. They gave gifts to honor the arrival of the new king. And it wasn't just the Magi. It doesn't stop there. The Jews had waited for thousands of years for the coming of the king. That's why when it was announced to the shepherds, they knew exactly what was going on. And when they told people, everybody got excited because for thousands of years, everybody had been, the king is coming. A new king is coming. They'd been living in oppression and with bad kings and it was just a mess. And they knew there was a promised king who would come. He was going to make the Jews rock. He was going to save God's people. And so when they heard that for unto us a child is born, they were excited. And when the Magi saw the star, they were excited. Everybody was excited. The new king had come, and they all went to pay honor and in amazement to see that prophecy fulfilled. So the shepherds knew, right? The, whole, the Jews knew. The Magi knew. Mary knew. Like Mary knew. Even when she was with child, she was told that it would be the king, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. What a responsibility. Jesus said this. When he was on earth and he was getting ready to go into Jerusalem, he, just in case we're not convinced he's king, in his own words, he said this, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey. At his birth, the king then was named Herod. He knew Jesus had come as the king. In fact, when he heard he had come and the new king had come, he tried to kill him because he didn't want to lose his kingdom. Herod owned everything. He didn't want to lose that. So I just, I guess for me, I just wonder sometimes if I get this, maybe if we get this, like I know we've gotten really good at worshiping him as our friend and our cohort and our savior, the one who loves the world, sets us free from sin, frees us from shame, helps us get better, helps us be smarter, and he is all those things. But I just wonder if we see him as king, the one who rules the earth the one who owns the church, the one who owns it all, the one who is bound by the fact that he's king to protect us. When is the last time you thought about that? That God is bound by his own title of Lord to protect you. That's his desire, not to harm you, but to protect you. Do you ever think about that? That maybe sometimes because we lose the magic and we forget that he's the Lord, we crawl over the kingdom wall and we're out there and we're like, he's not taking care of me. And he's back inside the kingdom wall going, if you would just stay in the kingdom. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and he should be called Emmanuel, God Most High, the Messiah, the King who will reign forever. From the throne of David, King Jesus. So I, I just wonder sometimes, when's the last time I gave a gift of honor to him? Not to a church, not to anything, but when's the last time that I just paid homage to him with my words, with my heart? When is the last time I did that? Right? So I know, like, Amber and I, Amber and I, like, we tithe, right? If you're not part of Christianity, God told us to give the first 10% of what we. Owned back to him as a thankful gift. So we've been doing this forever. He also says, if you tithe, you'll never lack anything. I'm going to tell you something. I, in this new career that he called me to from that conference, my, my salary went down, my benefits went up. <laughs> I have, we have tithed in times when it made no sense. And we do that. We do that out of obedience. We do that because we love him. But He wanted us to do that, to be thankful, to remember what? Who owns everything that I have? The Lord, the King. But I'd, I had to stop when I was reading this. And as I'm reflecting on how I, I do really see him as king, when I'm worrying, do I see him as the king who is committed to take care of me? When I'm struggling, do I see him as the king who's committed to helping me resolve those things? Do, he's the king, the protector, the provider. He owns it all. When I'm living in my house, am I thankful for that because I realize he provided the wood? Like, he made wood. He created wood. There would be no wood walls without wood and he got somebody smart enough to figure out to turn it into this really cool lumber that they built but you get it like all the technology all the ingenuity all the materials everything it, is it from him so, so Amber and I have been giving back forever but I just wonder in this moment of like um, when is the last time I just stopped and opened up my treasure chest and gave God a gift because he's my king just pulled out of the best that I got and said, I just just want to pay tribute to you. Not because I have to, not because I feel guilty, not because I got to be equitable, not because it's fun and not even because I love you. Don't get me wrong, all good reasons, but because you're the king, you're my king. And I drop a knee to King Jesus. And I'm so thankful that I live in your kingdom with your rules that always work out. So for me at Christmas this year, I have a little different caveat. All the fun, all the celebration, stopping to embrace the moments and seeing him work, but also just another happy moment, but a kind of serious moment that says, you know, Doug, maybe there's just a time and a place to drop a knee. Would you? If you can. While heaven and earth praise you, Jesus, born a child, who is now our King. Blessed be the name, the only begotten Son of the Most High God. Born when your Holy Spirit overshadowed the Virgin Mary. Born without sin, born perfect in all righteousness to judge, to fairly and equitably judge the earth to provide for those who would call upon your name, we pay homage to you, our King. Blessed be the one, the Father who sent you. As we bend a knee, we commit to serving you in your kingdom however you need. We trust that you'll give us the talents, the resources, and the gifts, and we bring thankful gifts first ourselves today, a bit of humility before you, our King. We thank you for our homes. We thank you for our cars and our kids and our toys and our paper, (laughs) for all the devices we have and all the technology that saves us and prolongs our lives, for you are a good King allowing us even to become smart. As our King, we ask that we will always remember you and not become like the people who got so full of themselves they built a tower into the sky and said they would be like you. Let us never forget that all that we have was created by you. In the beginning you were, and everything that was created was created by you. You stood with God and the Holy Spirit at the beginning of creation, and created us in your image, you are our King. Father, will that transform my behavior and my life? What a joy to serve you! What a privilege to be part of the kingdom that wins in the end! All hail, King Jesus! All hail, Emmanuel. King of kings, Lord of lords. Blessed be your name. Amen. If you're here today and like you've never actually made a decision to join the kingdom that just kills it in the end and wins, the one that provides for us and fills us and covers us in our worst of times, I want you to find me. I would love to tell you, More of the story of this baby, this King Jesus, who grew up quite spectacular. And then who gave his life so that you would never have to die. And he gave his life so you could be admitted into the kingdom of God. The kingdom that he rules. The kingdom that he takes care of. And by the way, church, when we're talking about kings and kingdoms, and somebody says, all hail King Jesus, you're supposed to say, hail really loud. Okay, so all hail King Jesus. Hail. All right, that's a good start. All right, I don't know if we want to go back to those days, but it's a good start. If you guys have just a minute, I really, it's been, we've been on the road so much. We've been doing so much. We've been, you know, reaching the, the folks who are differently abled. We have been growing. The daycare has been just growing like crazy. We've all been so busy. And it's the end of the year. Last year, about this time, God told us to do three things. And I just wanted to give you an update as we head towards Christmas of a lot of stuff to be thankful for and a couple things to pray for along the way. You good with that? Okay, so thing one, thing one, right, is he he told us to do is to reach that community out there, right? And we've been working our tails off. I'm not sure we've conquered that one yet, but we're trying. We're trying to learn from people who are smarter than us. We've started making invitations to things like the Christmas Eve at four o'clock, be here, bring a friend. Um, and pass out a flyer, a card. It's not a flyer. It's a ticket, right? It's a little code you can scan. They get cookies, right? Okay, so we're trying to do stuff, and we're trying to bring some people on who are gifted in that way even more because he really has shown us how to make disciples, and part of that, an integral part of that is introducing people to good news, and I know you're open to that. I know you invite people. I know you've been praying, and I know it just seems like, ah, this world is so postmodern, but God's going to get us there. And he has. There have been a lot of neat people get saved this year. Right? So it's cool. The daycare was another thing God told us to focus on, right? Which, if you don't know it, is still it's it's like at max capacity, I think, right now, still. Okay. And they're gonna open a new room just very soon. And then we have another room to build out and open up. So I don't know if anybody's been around here long enough, I know some of you had. To remember the days when God told us to do this, but and every week, every month, we got together and wrote checks in a month to keep this thing going because we knew God told us to do it. Um, it's just growing, and it's just, God has so blessed us. I'm looking at some of the people who are teachers. God's blessed us this year. He's blessed us with really cool leadership, but even more parents, and they're doing ministry, and people are actually getting connected to God, which is really, really cool. So it's mean, like 61, 62 kids in the Daycare enrolled in the daycare, which is just super cool. So, for the gins of the world who helped start this thing, it's so cool to see it getting there. Remember those days? Those were tough days, those first three or four years. And so, I just wanted to tell you that circle that God told us to do to daycare has just done, God has just so blessed it. And I thought you'd be excited to hear, but clearly you don't care. So. <laughs> Praise God. All right, you guys got to be taught something. I haven't done this since. When I first started teaching, and that was a long time ago, and, dude, it was rough. I made all kinds of mistakes. Tried to fix people from the pulpit. Ever done that, Dwayne? Yeah, Yeah. that that never goes well. That's a good way to get somebody to leave. Um, I've done all kinds of things, but I used to make people when they were lackluster like this. And and if you leave, it's okay, because we'll be left with five people who will say praise God. Okay, so isn't it really cool what he did in the daycare? You're going to get into heaven. He's going to stand up at the throne. You're going to be like, and he's going to pull a trap door. (laughs) It's going to. All right, good. Um, Dwayne was our extra bonus, like, little mini circle cloud thing, right? Keyless House for Differently Abled Adults, which is paying its bills. Wonderful. (laughs) That, That may sound like a low threshold because we have a much bigger threshold, but Dwayne, not only have they gotten their base amount of, clientele in and they're really pouring into them and helping them and secretly of course exposing them to christ just by the love that he and jesse have for them but they have a plan this year to involve them more in the life of the church through service and this and that and to expand this we have a dream in 2024 to begin to expand this to offer to the community some things on sunday morning and so we're just super super excited i think it's another dead win and we should give god a hand what do you think And in our, in our final circle that I, I want to tell you about, too, is the sustainable discipleship. Most of you have been in a discipleship group. If you haven't, you need to fix that. They are so cool. You get to change. You get to change along with other people. It is awesome. There's a couple of people who are like, well, I'm not so sure it was cool. And the trick there is you've got to embrace it. Like, you just got to go have fun. And it's so neat to see what's happening. But, you know, about two years ago, God had people coming to us, and, and was like, you need to share this with them. So we begin to give them copies of the book, How to Make. I just want to show you, listen, you guys have put a lot of patience as different speakers have come in and out, and people aren't here. You put a lot of money and a lot of effort loading trailers and everything else. I just want to show you this one in a picture. I hope it's ready, because this picture is incredible. This is what's happened this year as part of the efforts on our part to share with other people for free what God has done for us. Um, I, there's a lot of places I didn't know were on maps, um, but that one in the ocean out there is Hawaii, right, Tim? Is that correct? And then you can see England, Europe, Africa, all of these places have either gotten initial resources, mid conversations, or are launching groups, or whatever. To this, that We can't even count them. If you zoom can you do that? If you zoom in on the U.S. a bit, the only places we've really been able to track at this point are the U.S. and England. This year, uh, is it 1,300? Uh, is it 1,000? What is it? What's it count? Like 1,000? Yeah, just like 1,000 new disciples. That means people who started Discipleship One, who started their journey getting deeper with God in, in these areas with an estimated population to reach in 2024 of 30,000. It's not Doug. It's a, you guys realize that's an entire team of people. It's go God. Go God. Like, go, Damn. it's go, it's, yeah, whatever. You guys are trying to dig yourself out of a pit. What is your problem? I'm going to go find one of my Pentecostal friends and have him teach here for about five weeks so you people get fixed. That's what's going to happen. Whether you want to praise or not, you will, or you will never leave. He'll lock the doors. I know we're a totally laid-back church, just like a family, and, like, would you yell in your living room? I do. But I understand, and I've realized this year, a very important fact that we have too high of a ratio of introverts here, and you people do not know how to celebrate. So we're going to have lessons and classes on this this year for you. <laughs> I just thought as you headed towards Christmas, and we look at him as king, we're not going to, you know, the rest of this is we got Christmas Eve, we have the turkey bowl today. Stay for lunch, whether you go to the turkey bowl or not. Hang out, get to know people. The biscuits, if you've never had Jamie's biscuits, you just stay. So guys can speak to that, right? Nick, Will, my friends are here. The biscuits are awesome. So um, stay, eat, hang out, and then we're going to go play that. Then we, have this, then we have Christmas Eve, right? On, on New Year's Eve, we're going to look at our last psalm for the year with the title of when it's time for a change. Just time for a change. It's a timely, timely time to, to sit and think about all the incredible stuff God's going to do this year and how we need to adjust to his truths to get there. It's going to be a great time. That's at the normal time at 11. And then beginning the second Sunday in January, we're doing um, a seven-week series called Pre-Decide. And I, I just love the materials. It's so cool. It's written by a guy named Craig Groeschel at a Life Church. Um, they share everything with everybody. And every once in a while, I just see something. And I go, like, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. This stuff has changed my life. I want to share it with you. And so we're going to be doing Pre-Decide for seven weeks. A great thing to invite your friends to, if you want to, because it's all about getting ready for a new year and honing down the decisions that we make, and of course, sharing Jesus all along the way, okay? So, um, we got a lot coming up, and I just thought I'd share all this with you before all that busyness starts. Make sure that you pray about where we're headed in the new year. We're understaffed and overworked. There's all kinds of stuff, and we want to fill these chairs up with people who find Christ, or who walked away from church. We'll take either one. No transfers. They can they can just pipe it on a TV. But we want to fill these chairs up with people who find Christ this year. It's our greatest desire, and we're never gonna get there. And the only way we'll get there is if the king calls us to that work, opens the door to that work, and empowers that work. But we can be guaranteed he will be present every time we seek to share the gospel. I promise you he will, because that is his word. His will is to win souls. All right. It's 12-12. Sounds perfect time for us to end. I love you so much. I'm so glad to be home. Somebody asked me, you've been home two weeks. How's it going? I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how to be home. I don't know how to be home anymore, you know? And uh, so I'm just glad to be with you. Maybe you should go on a long trip because when you come back here after go- I've to a lot of incredible churches, but I'm telling you, I love that this is home base. It is a true, real, clear Place. If you're new and you haven't been here, give it a try. We promise no hypocrisy with stable leadership. We promise solid teaching. We have a no gossip guarantee. That doesn't mean it won't happen. It just means it won't happen twice. And we're going to do it lovingly. We're not going to be mean because we all make that mistake at times. And no drama. We've got a little bit on going. We're going to stomp that out because we just believe that we're headed off into following him and just being a true, real community. So you're safe here. At the same time, you're going to get challenged here. And we're going to do stuff that matters. So God bless you. I hope you have a really great week. If you don't come on Wednesday, which we hang out on Wednesdays, ask us about it. Make sure that you're here for what? Christmas Eve. And make sure you pick up some of these and bring somebody so they can hear the good news or just have fun. Got it?